From award-winning restaurant industry news to original analysis and reporting you can't get anywhere else, restaurant business memberships provide you with the information you need to future-proof your operation. Subscribe now with code RBPODCAST21 for a free 30-day trial and get the tools you need for growth and success. What is the future of plant-based meat at fast food restaurants? Hello, I'm Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business, and in this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, I'm joined by my RB colleagues, Heather Lally and Pat Kobe, to talk about the state of plant-based meat in restaurants, and specifically fast food chains. A lot is happening in that segment when it comes to plant-based meat, and not all of it good for those providers. For the past couple of years, fast food restaurants have tried with varying degrees of success to add plant-based meats to their menu with items such as the Beyond Sausage Sandwich at Dunkin' and the Impossible Whopper at Burger King. That market, once largely dominated by Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods, has broadened to include more providers and it now includes some proprietary items from the chains themselves. But there have been some high-profile decisions by chains like Duncan and Tim Hortons to pull their plant-based meat items, and not all of these efforts have generated long-term sales. There remains a big market, however, for these items, and we continue to see more efforts all the time to get at that market. Will this plant-based trend continue? Or has it been a fad that will die out like so many others in the past? Heather, Pat, and I debate this on this week's episode of A Deeper Dive. Please have a listen. Okay, I am here with Pat Kobe and Heather Lally. Welcome to the podcast, you two. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, Pat, let's start with you. Uh, I hear you cover menu for uh, restaurant business. Here's my question. Uh, for you, because we have been for some time now been paying very close attention to this uh, plant-based meat trend. And I believe, to be honest, that this thing is very faddish and that there is a lot of evidence to me to support the fact that it's a fad. What is your take on this? Is, Is the is the plant-based meat trend here to stay in the fast food sector or where do you see it going? Yeah, I I think it's definitely here to stay because customers in that segment want options as well. I mean, and what the evidence points to is that most of the people who buy plant-based burgers and chicken nuggets and hot dogs and other plant-based items are really flexitarians, they're not vegans. They just want that choice once in a while, whether it's to feel healthier, to feel they're doing something for the environment. Um, and it seems like there's a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that flexitarians are going to continue to want these options. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go to Burger King. Well, I mean, I know Duncan took their Beyond Sausage off the menu, but there are so many other QSRs that are offering plant-based alternatives. Wendy's just launched a black bean burger. So they're not using a commercial meat substitute, but they um, wanted to differentiate by launching their own black bean burger. And it's doing very well. So I can see them keeping it on the menu. KFC has plant-based chicken nuggets, and I think they were in test, but they also did well. And it looks like they're keeping them on the menu. 
as well as Taco Bell with their uh, plant-based chalupa shell. Mm-hmm. So I think um, all of the QSRs are trying this out um, in the fast food segment. How many of those have gone national though? I mean, how many of these are really gone national versus, I mean, that's the question. I mean, a lot of these seem to be in test. Wendy's is in test. KFCs is still in test. Uh, we haven't seen a real major fast, well, I say this, and today uh, Little Caesar says it is uh, going with a plant-based pepperoni nationwide. Um, so, I mean, you know, so there is also that, but for the most part, it seems like a lot of these end up going, aren't really, are still in sort of this test, um, get attention for a small te- uh, small um, number of stores type phase. Yeah, I guess they're playing it safe that way, but, um, or some of them launch as LTOs, like the Taco Bell plant-based mm-hmm. Chalupa is an LTO. But Duncan is a good example, although they took the Beyond Sausage off the menu, they are leaders in offering plant-based milks. They have coconut milk, oat milk, almond milk, and they create you know, signature drinks using these milks. Yeah. And those are nationwide. And Starbucks also has um, you know all these milks on the menu nationwide. I guess I, I guess I differentiate pretty strongly between plant-based milks and plant-based meat. And the reason why is plant-based, there's a lot of people who are lactose intolerant. And so a lot of people go to plant-based milk largely because of that, because, you know, various digestive ailments and things like that. I, I mean, unless somebody can correct me, I haven't heard of any digestive ailment that keeps people going from plant-based meat. Well, but they milk. don't need to have six different plant-based milk options. I mean, there are so many now that category has just grown like crazy. Um, yeah, sure. Sure. I get it. But um, uh, it, it has, but I they don't necessarily need to have six plant-based milks, but the market for non-meat is the, the market for full milk has been well-established long before this, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that, again, it still goes back to this issue of a huge percentage of the population can't drink regular milk with, with the amount of regular, I mean, it's, it, you know, it, that's, that's sort of the, um, sort of the point of, of that particular one. Yeah, so I, I still see, see a difference between those two. Yeah, I, see, I can see what you're saying, but I think a lot of people are choosing these plant-based milks because of environmental reasons and um, also health reasons. They feel mm-hmm. like, it, you know, it isn't just lactose intolerance, but they feel like it's lower in fat, healthier for them. Sure, so, but it's an ingredient. Yeah, it's not the main thing. True, true. Um, and it's, it's still an ingredient, not the main thing. But I mean, I see that, I mean, they, in that's, I mean, that's, I guess, a good point on this one because, you know, I mean, the plant-based meat, you know, beyond meat and impossible foods do actually point to the success of, uh, of non-dairy milks as a, as a, uh, you know, as, as evidence that they can grow to a great extent. And that's, I mean, that's a fair, that's fair to me at, at a grocery store or someplace like that. I just have, I guess, where I get skeptical on this is its presence in the fast food sector. And I still remain, have a long-term skepticism that the U.S. fast food consumer is going to be doing this with any amount of regularity to make it a, a major part of menus. So Heather, I want to ask you about this because you eat a lot of, you, you, uh, you are a pescatarian, yes? Correct. All right. So, and you eat a lot of 
Um, what's what's the I guess the question to, for you is what is the what is the draw for for these burgers? Why, why would you eat an impossible one? Well, uh, I mean, it has to taste good, uh, I think, above all else. And so I think that Impossible Whopper is just a really great product. Um, it ha- I am not a huge fast food consumer, but uh, it, that product alone has gotten me to go to Burger King a number of times since it was introduced. All of those times, uh, you know, the total would have been zero if not for that particular product. So I realize that I'm a sample size of one on that. But um, also for families uh, with kids and other adults in the house who maybe aren't uh, vegetarian, you know, this negates that veto vote and gives those of us who don't eat meat another option. Um, I will uh, agree with what Pat said, you know, at the outset of this, I did a little research before we chatted um, and Nielsen found that 98% of the people who buy plant-based meat also buy regular meat. So Mm -hmm. they're really trying to cater to a broader audience. That being said, it's got to taste good, which that Impossible Whopper does. I thought that the Dunkin' breakfast sandwich was a little like dry and not it wasn't anything I would like crave or go out of my way to get. And Duncan has other vegetarian options um, that I would probably pick. Like donuts. Like donuts, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let me throw this number out for you. The one chain that really pointed, the, the I mean, obviously the biggest publicly traded name that has really gone gung-ho into the whole plant-based thing is Burger King. Okay, and then Burger King in the third quarter of 2019 introduced the Impossible Whopper. Its same-store sales rose 5% that quarter, really strong, especially given that it had been, you know, in relative weak, relatively weak for the previous two years. Um, you know, and it, it outperformed both McDonald's and Wendy's. That was the last time it did that. Since then, its same store sales the next quarter fell down to below single, you know, below 1%. Uh, then obviously last year uh, was, a, was a terrible year for, uh, for the company because it was 2020 and it was a terrible year for everybody. But it really underperformed McDonald's if you look at the last, if you look at the last three quarters, it has underperformed McDonald's by a fair amount. My question on this and my concern, I think, on something like this is if you're not drawing in more customers, what's the point of doing it? And if restaurants aren't going to be, you know, if the point of, of, of having something like an impossible Whopper on your menu is to draw in customers, is it to get more people who would not other, more people like you, Heather, but it's clearly not doing that with Burger King. Well, I think they they have missed a marketing opportunity on this. I feel like there was a lot of fanfare on the Impossible Whopper when it came out, and now it's relatively hidden on the menu. And they have this whole new platform um, that they could be iterating, you know, new burgers around to get some trials out there. Um, I, I just I kind of feel like they dropped the ball on the marketing of it. I think also in the beginning, Impossible and Beyond were marketing really heavily, and that kind of petered out. So I think people were really aware of the products at that time, and they really wanted to try them, but there hasn't been a big push lately. Okay, but then what do you do? Like if you're, you're any product has to stand on its own. 
That's true whether that's an impossible Whopper or, I don't know, Satisfies. Remember those things? You guys mm. remember Satisfies, Fries? You remember those fats? You probably love Lower them. fat? Yeah, you remember that? That was, to me, that's always sort of the, like, that's, that's the, that is, that is the one story that I always think about anytime somebody tries to do something like this in the fast food business. Except the, the Impossible Whopper is like really good. Have you tried one? Solar Satisfies. <laughs> Were they? I mean, I they were good. They were like a lower fat product. I can't imagine they were. They were good. Tasty. They were good. That was part of the issue. They were more potatoey, but they were good. <laughs> they were good. They were quite good. And yet, the popularity just diminished and diminished and diminished. And a little in a little bit more than a year, it was off the menu. And they went this. They went at that with very, very a huge amount of fanfare. A huge amount of fanfare. I mean, gosh, you remember that, Pat? That was um, the, it was the, that was, the, they did, I remember talking to a franchisee after that and him saying that, man, Burger King's really good to get you to try something. The problem I think, and it might go into the marketing issue you talk about is you got to get people, it, it has to stick. And I'm mm-hmm. concerned that, that it, that, you know, right now the concern and nobody has proven this really with any in any, you know, I haven't really seen any real evidence to suggest that these things pull in sales to a restaurant company and keep them beyond that curiosity factor. That's where I get it's this curiosity. I think, I think part of the problem to uh, in specifically in the quick service segment is if you look at the demographics of a typical QSR consumer, they don't there's not necessarily a Venn diagram there with the typical plant-based consumer, mm-hmm. uh, plant, you know, just by the demographics, plant-based consumers tend to be a little bit more affluent, um, and maybe not your real heavy user of fast food. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the flip side of that though, there is a, um, a real, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like there's a real opportunity there if you could find a way to hook in some of these, uh, you know, plant-based curious consumers because they might spend more money and they might, you know, uh, really dig what you're serving. However, that is, as you say, a kind of an uphill challenge for some of these fast food places. It is. And I think that's what we're kind of getting at. And I think that might be the issue with Duncan. I mean, like Duncan... I, you know, I mean, Duncan is probably has somewhat similar demographics to Burger King. And those demographics are harder to get to, you know, that's, those are folks that are harder to convince to get to eat this type of product because they're like, well, what's the point? You know, maybe, you know, they, they may not necessarily be as concerned about the environment or, you know, they're, they're just like, well, what's the point of, you know, if I'm going to, it's, you know, there's not really a, 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 there's not a real health benefit to eating these things. Um, so then what's the point, um, you know, and the flexitarian, the type of people that would be concerned about this isn't necessarily eating at Burger King or Duncan uh, um, necessarily. And I think that's been, that would seem to be the biggest challenge in getting the fast food consumer to eating this plant-based stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the other point is that at Dunkin', you could just leave the meat off, you know, and have 
a good breakfast sandwich. But at, at Burger King, if you want a burger that isn't made with meat, I, mm-hmm. the impossible burger is your choice. So yeah. I think you know, the other thing is a lot, I mean, judging from the number of suppliers who are coming out with new plant-based meat substitutes, seafood, chicken, I think um, they're counting on this fast food consumer to really be craving these in the future. I'm actually, uh, just this week, um, I think it's still under embargo, but Panda Express is introducing Beyond Chicken tenders, I guess. I guess it's the tender product because that just went national to 400 restaurants. And they're putting it in their original orange chicken, which is like one of their best-selling dishes. So people have the option of that instead of chicken. Wow. Mm -hmm. Panda Express has historically had like zero vegetarian options unless you want just steamed vegetables. So I personally find that very exciting. Wait a minute. Why don't they, why don't they, uh, this is really off topic, but why don't they, (laughs) why, why don't they walk their vegetables? Why just steam them? Or walked, sorry, they they may be walked. They may be vegetables are, are awesome. But I have, uh, well, but they're not an entire meal with rice. You need, a little something. Sometimes they do right. tofu, but I guess those are LTOs. Why yeah. Don't you need, why don't you do um, vegetarian stir fry, Heather? I don't understand. Well, it needs a little more oomph to it. Anyway, uh, I think these, to Pat's point about the the vast and growing number of suppliers plant, of plant-based food items, which are getting a lot of interest from investors right now, I think they're seeing tremendous growth in the retail, you know, the grocery Mm -hmm. segment. Um, And I kind of feel like the onus is perhaps on these restaurant chains to figure out a way to, to make these as popular as, as they are in the grocery space. Um, I think the figures I looked at said they were growing, they're growing about 25% a year, Mm -hmm. uh, the sale of plant-based foods in the grocery level. Um, It seems like there should be a way to capture that in, in restaurants. Um, I mean, I guess the, I mean, I think it's a a point, but like, you know, restaurants are demassified, if you know what I mean. It's sort of, restaurants are very, have narrow, even the largest restaurant chain on the planet is still really going at customers who are really in our McDonald's. That's a, it still has a relatively narrow market. Now it's bigger, certainly compared to everybody else. But, you know, where, whereas everybody goes to a grocery store in some form or fashion, and so you're just going to get more of those natural pieces. I think if we, if we broaden this, and I know that I told you guys that I wanted to focus on the fast food sector, if we broaden the whole, uh, 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 this whole discussion to include all restaurants, we probably, to Pat's early point, really do actually capture a lot more restaurants, if you think about it. Because Pat, if I'm not wrong, a ton, and Heather just mentioned one, uh, or no, Pat mentioned one. Uh, Pat, you, you know, there's a ton of like fast casuals, casual dining, uh, certainly fine dining restaurants that are offering these sorts of things. Yeah, definitely. And I think the thing is with those uh, restaurants in that segment, they really try and differentiate their plant-based offerings. They don't just, you know, slap a burger on a bun, although they might have that, but they're trying to do, you know, things that really work with their menu and are in sync with their menu and make something more exciting than just a burger. So a lot of the products that are coming in now, they're like taco meat that you could really make a great taco out of Um, things, you know, more chicken products that be besides just tenders. There are 
lots of um, farm meat, chicken, chicken products. So I think they're really trying to differentiate and sort of tie into what their concept means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you do see some, you definitely see plenty of, 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 of plant-based foods at restaurants in general. I guess I get the concern is, you know, why hasn't this really, it just seems to me that we really haven't seen a big long-term success story at fast food restaurants with plant-based meats yet. We haven't yet seen it. We see a lot of testing. We've seen a lot of companies do it. I mean, I suppose, you know, I mean, White Castle, but we don't know White Castle's numbers, mm -hmm. um, which is sort of a concern. And obviously it's kept its on, it's kept that product on its menu. Um, but we just eh, haven't quite seen it. What about uh, Nathan's with their meatless hot dog? Have you seen anything on that? I haven't seen anything on that, but I don't know that I've seen them. Um, you know, I don't know if we've have that's been on the menu long enough um, mm. to work. What What do we think is the problem, though? I mean, getting back, I guess, to the because Duncan pulls back is beyond sausage. And we also saw this with Tim Hortons last year, uh, two years ago, where it pulled back its beyond sausage test. Is a beyond sausage problem product just not good enough? Or, or is that I mean, Heather, you didn't seem to like it that much. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the Beyond patties. I like the Beyond, uh, like, you know, Italian sausage or brat type things. I think those are very good. Um, you know, I just, I wonder at the quick service level, if it's more of an operational issue that they just, you know, they have to sell so much of it to make it worthwhile keeping it on the menu and, uh, you know, cooking it and having separate storage area, you know, all the things that go into adding these new menu items, um, it seems like nobody has really cracked the code yet, but I, unlike you, I am more optimistic about this and I do hold out hope that one of these things is going to take off. Um, but it could really just be a simple kind of demographics issue of the typical mm -hmm. consumer for these chains, not really buying into this whole plant-based thing. Yeah. I mean, that's I until, until somebody changes un until we really get some, I mean, we just need something. We need something at one of these big, big chains, something to be really successful. I mean, I mean, I think the one, the one company I think that you're really going to see something that it might really work would be Taco Bell to me. If Taco Bell gets something, Taco Bell is the one concept that you really think could actually crack this code and get something that's really workable simply because, but it also has a fair number of vegetarian consumers from the get-go. Yeah, they they are very popular among vegetarians. When one other aspect we mentioned is uh, pricing, and you know, if there comes a situation in which meat prices get so high, um, you know, and are so volatile, and these faux meats can be a more um, value-minded option, that could push some consumers to at least try them. Um, in the beginning, though, excuse, excuse me, in the beginning. The Impossible Burger was really expensive for operators. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think they brought down the price in the you know few years since mm -hmm. it was first introduced, but it was really an expensive product. And I don't know if it was priced higher at Burger King than a regular Whopper or if it was the same price, but it, it really was a lot more expensive for the operator. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I mean, 
you know, pricing is one of those things where, I mean, I, I think at the fast food level, if it's really going to take off, it actually has to be probably not much more than a regular version. And I think if you're, if these companies are going to get these, if these things are going to sell, they have to be priced relatively similarly. Otherwise, I think the fast food consumer is probably just going to pass it by because that's, that's what I think. I, I think that they need to, the fast food consumer is still really a convenience consumer. It's willing to pay higher price than people think. But I think if they see the difference in cost between like a plant-based version and the regular version, they're probably going to take the regular version if they don't see any other real benefit to it. You know, like if it's healthier and still tastes really good, which is near impossible, by the way, you know, but <laughs> it, if, if it's, you know, then, you know, they, then maybe they take it. But I, I just, I really think it's that, that is a, it's a, it's a really underrated nut to crack, cracking this code on getting people to eat a plant-based burger at a restaurant chain and good luck to Wendy's on the black bean burger, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really, really difficult, it's a difficult that's a, a difficult consumer and they just don't eat at fast food restaurants. They eat at fast casuals all the time. That's why I think that Starbucks can do this and Duncan can't. You see what I mean? I think their demographics, Starbucks demographics are just more willing to do things like this. Mm. Also, I don't think that Starbucks sells as much. Yes. I mean, Starbucks just doesn't have a super great food reputation. They, I did try, I think they had a, a beyond breakfast sandwich. I don't know if that was a limited menu item or what um it was was fine but um the food is not really the draw for me personally at starbucks i don't think people go to starbucks for the food either i mean a lot of people stop by duncan to grab a sandwich in the morning Mm -hmm. but i i do know that those sous vide egg bites have done quite well for them which come in vegetarian options um okay anyway i do i think they have some opportunity there to to create some more vegetarian things right Starbucks would be one of those companies that could do this. Mm-hmm. Because I think, again, I think their demographics are more willing to, 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 to try this sort of thing. Um, you know, they still have that urban demographic. And I think, I mean, I think if, if fundamentally we look at the problem with fast food and plant-based food, plant-based meat, it sort of gets at where these places are located. You know, they're, they tend to be, you know, I mean, McDonald's, McDonald's has restaurants all over the place. It's in a lot of suburbs. It's in a lot of rural areas. It's along the highway all the time. It's not really a, you know, the type of demo where, where we've seen this really work is in urban areas and, you know, places where, you know, in, 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 in markets like that, where they're getting a lot of, you know, urban, either higher educated or younger consumers and places and, and people like that. Whereas I think that the consumer, you know, and so that's why it might work at a Starbucks, for instance, um, you know, versus versus you know, uh, you know, McDonald's. Of course, McDonald's hasn't really done anything, but where I, why it hasn't necessarily worked at Burger King. Well, it's interesting because in the Grubhub's latest uh, survey of what people ordered in the last six months, the plant-based sausage wrap was number one. <laughs> so my, I, I don't know who's ordering it, uh, where they're getting it from for delivery, but. It seems to be popular as a delivery item. No, no. Well, I mean, yeah. And it's that the delivery consumer is also fairly different. But mm-hmm. 
Yeah. All right. Fantastic. So one more, one, uh, I guess, last point to, to either of you, where Pat, just, just generally, where do you see this plant-based trend going overall? Well, I think the um, chains are going to differentiate with their products so that not everyone is offering just an impossible burger or chicken tender that's made with plants with a dipping sauce. I think they really have to differentiate kind of like Wendy's is doing kind of like Panda Express is doing, as I mentioned. And they, um, I just think that's the way they'll go and that's the way they'll attract consumers. Mm -hmm. Heather, same question. Yeah, I, I think there is a big opportunity here to expand just you know outside of straight up burgers or sausage patties on breakfast sandwiches into like Pat mentioned, you know, taco meat and some of the other things that we're seeing some of the uh, fast casuals uh, try out. Um, I think it's just a matter of hitting the right marketing notes and uh, getting some folks into these restaurants who maybe aren't your typical quick service mm -hmm. consumer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. You two, thank you very much for uh, joining me this week on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And that should do it for this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, which, as always, was edited by Kimberly Kazmarek, artwork by Nico Hines. You may find this episode and others on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. You may also subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcasts. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host, podcast producer, and the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business. Thank you for listening. Restaurant business members enjoy exclusive benefits from access to unlimited premium content and members-only research from Technomic to monthly recipe demos and private roundtables with restaurant business editors. Subscribe now with code RBPODCAST21 to access your free 30-day trial to unlock industry insights that will move your operation forward.